Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to the We Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Menares. The We Podcast is a part of the We community, where we are passionate about creating community and providing a space for speaking authentic truth, growing together, and rising above challenges and into the full power of all we were created to be. This week on the WE Podcast, my guest is Dawn Miller. Dawn is the mother of four amazing children and has been married for 24 years. She spent 16 years joyfully homeschooling her tribe with sweat, tears, prayer, and a lot of coffee. In 2013, a series of serious car accidents caused Dawn to have a traumatic brain injury, which ended her days of homeschooling. Armed with a new normal, she focused her energy on embracing the new Dawn 2.0. When not at home, Dawn is running in the mountains, practicing yoga, or finding more goodies on Etsy. I cannot wait for you all to meet Dawn. This episode is packed with wisdom and nuggets of encouragement and inspiration, and I know you're just going to love it. But before we get started, this episode of the WE Podcast is brought to you by the WE Community. The WE Community is a space to learn, grow, and connect with like-minded women. Head over to the Facebook community and get plugged in. There are giveaways and big announcements going on in that space that we know you will want to be a part of. If you're listening and you haven't rated or subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so. Stick it in your story on Facebook. Take a screenshot and stick it in there on Facebook or Instagram. Tag Sarah Menares or and and or the We Community and put it in that story and we will put you into a drawing to win some awesome swag. Please help us to share out the podcast and to get people connected. We really want to be able to bless as many people as possible with this platform. So thank you so, so much. And we cannot wait to see you over on social media. All right, here we go. Here is my interview with Dawn. to the We Podcast. This episode, I'm very excited. I get to have a conversation with the amazing Don Miller. And I know, Don, I haven't known you a very long time. We are on the NoCo Moms blog, writing team together. And that's how we met, which has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know a ton of your story and I'm very excited to hear your whole story because I know little bits and pieces and I know that it's a powerful one. And so I'm excited for our listeners to get to know you and, and hear more about you. So thank you so much for being here today with us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Um, and I appreciate all the kudos. I don't know how amazing I am, but I've definitely just kept trucking on, trucking on. <laughs> You are amazing, girlfriend. <laughs> Gotta own it. Okay. <laughs> yes, you are. Especially because I was reading through 
what you sent me beforehand to prepare, you know, for today and in, in your story. And there, gosh, I was like, holy moly, I did not know this. Oh my goodness. And I was reading it thinking this woman is so amazing. So I hope that <laughs> I hope that we help you own that for yourself. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So to start out, you want to kind of give us an overview. I know you're married. You have kids. Yeah. Um, I'm married for this June. It'll be 25 years. So we obviously were children when we were married. Um, uh, I married my college sweetheart, two weeks out of college, graduation. Uh, we have four children, three boys and a girl, ages 15 to 22. So they're all big kids exploring <laughs> the world. We have two that are graduating from high school this year. So that's very exciting. Let's see. I used to be uh, back before kids. BK. Um, I was a social worker at a nursing home for four years and really enjoyed that, working with Alzheimer's patients, uh, patients with dementia, hospice patients. And then after we had our second kid, um, we decided that it would be more fruitful for me to stay home. And so I've been staying home for almost 20 years now. So I can't believe that. That's been a long time. Uh, we decided early on to homeschool the kids. So for 16 of those years, I homeschooled until about uh, 2013. I, I'm assuming this is where you want me to go. Yeah, but I have to just stop okay. and say that in and of itself makes you amazing. So oh, thank for 16 you. years. <laughs> or just really stubborn. <laughs> Stubborn and amazing. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I know, yeah, we're heading into what seems like a big part of your more recent story. Um, yeah. And I'll just, yeah, let you go. Go for it. Well, in February of 2013, I was involved in two major car accidents within 19 days of each other. And I always want to point out, neither were my fault. I was at both drivers were totally at fault, even in a no fault state, they were totally ticketed for it. Uh, the first wow. one was, was a um, head on or a tail end collision. Uh, the guy, I was stopped. The guy did not stop and ran right into us. Mm -hmm. And I sustained some, um, uh, just some back achiness and uh, some cognitive uh, problems with uh, a concussion, a minor concussion. So were you driving or where were I was, you? Well, I was stopped, but yeah, I was driving. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you said we, so were, was there other people in the car or? I was actually, it was the ultimate nightmare. I was with my oldest son and four of his uh, theater friends. I was the carpool mom for the day on a theater, on a theater run. Mm-hmm. So we had my, my oldest with me in the front seat. We were in a minivan. It was my last minivan. And then uh, we had four teenagers in the back. Okay. So, and we sustained, you know, um, a lot of us had to go to the chiropractor and we all had injuries, you know, of achiness and uh, concussion, minor concussions, um, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's what, that was the first one that was on uh, February 6th. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I, I could tell there was some cognitive issues. I couldn't remember how to call 911 right after the crash, which was very weird, being that it's 911. 
I couldn't figure that out. Um, it was, yeah. I, I could notice that day that, um, and that, that week that I was just having some, um, problems focusing. Uh, I was obviously, I was, uh, pretty uh, scared to be in the car. Uh, just a lot of emotional issues, which is mm-hmm. understandable when you've had a mm-hmm. car crash. Yeah. So, um, but I went to the doctor. He said, you know, he tried to give me some pain meds. I'm kind of stubborn. I don't take a lot of pills. And so I went to the chiropractor and said, and the doctor basically said, laughingly as we left, well, just don't get another concussion. You'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> Wise words. Mm, I know. I'm like, oh, dang it. I know what this is leading up to. (laughs) Yeah. So then uh, 19 days later, February 25th, I was um, on my way home from getting our new to me car. uh, Had a bunch of recalls on it. And so I was getting it serviced. And on the way home, uh, a big F-250 pickup, one of those big massive pickups. I don't know what it was, but it was a big pick a big work truck uh lost control uh veered on to my side of the two-way highway and hit me head on we were both going about i don't know 40 40 40 some miles an hour because it was at a curve and uh completely smashed the front end of that vehicle uh into my legs and into my uh yeah, just into me, into my lap. And so that was a definitely a more uh, significant car accident. I was trapped. The airbags went off. I don't remember a lot of it other than the smell of smoke mm-hmm. um, because of the airbags. I, at the time, thought the car was on fire and I was going to die. But um, uh, so I had to get jaws of life. I don't even know if that's a verb, but... Um, they had to cut me out with the jaws of life and take me to the hospital in an ambulance, which these are all first things. Um, Mm -hmm. No one needs to have them on their bucket list. It's not that exciting. And so from that accident, I sustained uh, quite a bit of um, head head trauma, uh, a lot of brain injuries uh, to my frontal lobe. Mm -hmm. And uh, physically, because I was strong, because I'm a runner and I work out a lot, um, physically, I was, you know, it took me a couple weeks to just bounce back. And actually, six weeks later, I ran a half marathon, not a fast one, but I Mm -hmm. ran one. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it took me um, cognitively, it's taken me, well, many, many, it took me three, many years to um, know that I wasn't the same and to accept that. But um, it's taken us, it's just made me become a new person with a new brain. Mm-hmm. So in the second accident, you were the only one in the car. I was, fortunately. Um, all my kids had a reason to be home that day, which I'm, I'm very, very thankful for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wow, yeah. What I love about you now, and I know this is, it's been a, a rough and rocky road for you, and that you are now able to talk about it because I think head injury and this type of thing is not something that people really talk about. I know it's a big, it's a big topic in the mental health field because head injury can look like so many different things Mm -hmm. um, and can cause so many different 
issues with different people depending on where the head injury is and and a lot of times it goes though unrecognized that that's the core issue that the person is dealing with yes Mm -hmm. Um, i will totally agree with that um i'm a i've done a ton of research uh once we tried to figure out what just trying to figure out what was wrong with me um Mm -hmm. and I, I'm amazed at how much, how many issues uh, go on that are probably just undiagnosed head injuries. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have a great friend and she had a head injury and she was having, um, her symptoms were like schizophrenic symptoms and it was all because of a head injury. And once they were able to figure that out, she was able to get treatment and and help and is significantly better now. But yeah, a lot of times it is misdiagnosed, which is really unfortunate. So I think you're doing huge things and speaking out about this. Well, I hope so. Um, Now that I'm a lot freer to talk about my journey Mm -hmm. uh, due to legal issues and stuff, I really wasn't able to talk about it for five years. Um, but once all those papers got signed, um, mm. it's really been my, on my heart to go out there and to advocate and to let people know that it's not just football players mm. Um, mm. That, that suffer from this. Um, I am a, a, cri- a true crime podcast junkie, which is my dark hidden secret. <laughs> and I love a good true crime podcast. And it's funny because a lot of people will bring up the amount of uh, personality changes in someone like after they've had a head injury. Just recently, I was listening to one about this awful serial killer, but they talked about how he was this person and then he had this massive head injury in high school and he became a totally different person the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, it makes me start thinking, well, how many people in there have head injuries? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and just, I think, I think we, it's getting acknowledged slowly, but surely, um, especially through finally the NFL. But um, mm-hmm. I think we need to look at for just normal people and their normal lives. Yeah. Well, that movie that came out fairly recently, the concussion movie. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was like, it it was a great movie and made me, I I mean, it was eye opening for me in so many ways. Like I don't want my child to play football. (laughs) I'm really happy that he's not interested. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, the, the damage that these, that the concussions do to people and how, under talked about it was for so long yeah mm-hmm. it was really hard for me for three years um i i you know this in my story um the first three years after my car accident i just thought i was gonna keep getting better keep getting better and um i just got worse and i just got worse and i just got more and more depressed uh, we eventually had to send our kids to sc- the last three because the other one graduated the last three to school which made me feel like a failure, which Mm -hmm. just brought in more depression. And so for three years, I was very, very much in a dark hole. 
um, very depressed, very, I dreamed constantly of committing suicide, but I, I always say that I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to do it. That was my problem, <laughs> which is probably because of the concussion. Thank God. And God is good and gracious in that. And, um, I was super depressed until I found the right doctor, which just took a lot of time mm. that acknowledged that my brain was damaged. Uh, my, my, uh, because of damage to your brain, your chemicals change, your hormones change, which is nothing that anyone has recognized. I mean, I didn't find that in any books. Mm. I, I studied constantly and sent me to a neurologist who was willing to work with me and work with my brain chemistry to help me find the right medication to get me out of my dark, dark shell. And um, she did. We worked hard. And, but it took a long time. And of uh, uh, just, and I felt very, and you feel very isolated in that because you know something's wrong. You look perfectly fine. Mm. Uh, you might be acting perfectly fine. You know, I was still running. I was still running half marathons and whatever. But I was, everything was so dark to me. And mm. I just function. Yeah. So that went on for three years? Yeah, three years uh, before I found a doctor that didn't just want to take away the pain. And once I wasn't in pain, they didn't really want to talk to me because mm. of pain. But I couldn't, ha well, number one, when you have a poor word, a lot of the frontal brain uh, injury symptoms are you can't organize your thoughts. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't organize anything which uh, fortunately um, my kids were all a little bit older so we could get around that, you know, and we had to put them in school because I couldn't really home. I couldn't focus enough to homeschool anymore mm -hmm. and I couldn't cook. That was the craziest thing ever. Um, I used to cook all the time. And then as soon as the second car accident, I just, I could not figure it out. It was emotionally overwhelming. And, uh, but again, you know, I had a husband who is a great, he can cook and we had some friends who would bring over some meals, but you know, how do you say that? How do you understand that? You know, I have this, mm -hmm. I just can't cook. Well, you can cook. No, I can't cook. <laughs> like yeah. mentally. Right. I can't cook. And uh, my emo I cried constantly for about three years. I don't cry a lot now. Probably some of that's medication, but I think a lot of it's because I just cried straight for three years. So I feel mm -hmm. like I cried a lot. I don't need too much anymore. And I just, I think they are such weird symptoms and you feel like you're going insane. And because of that, you have shame, which is a mm -hmm. huge word for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you feel shame because you can't, you know, you're an adult, you should be able to handle this. And I couldn't. And it wasn't until some doctor, a doctor made me realize that it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was a medical condition. It was a hormone condition because my brain was injured. And, um, and that was like a revelation to me. And that really brought me back into the light. And uh, just that transformation has really made me want to speak out and tell people that, you know, talk about it. Mm -hmm. it, I know it makes no sense. You think you, you feel like it makes no sense, but you'll fi eventually find the right person that will say, I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is the, the point of this podcast, really. 
find that person. You know what I mean? To say, yes. oh my gosh, this person understands. They, they get it. That's so powerful and so huge. But it sounds like even in the midst of the darkness that you were going through, you still remained an advocate for yourself in finding somebody who could help you or who would see things differently than the other doctors were. Well, I was really fortunate in that um, I had kind of given up, I'll be honest, because um, mm -hmm. I just, it kept feeling like everybody was just going to throw me on pain meds. Once you're not in pain, you don't need meds. And I wasn't in pain physically, but emotionally I was a wreck. And uh, my husband did a lot of uh, research so much, uh, trying to find a doctor that I would feel comfortable. It was really hard for me to admit that I was depressed and that I was suicidal. Um, I don't think I told any other doctor that, to be honest. Um, I would mention it once in a while to my friends. Uh, there was a lot of shame in that. And a lot of that, I think, well, because number one, that's just, I just felt a lot of shame in that. You know, that seemed awful to say out loud, and I didn't want to admit it. And as a uh, working in the healthcare, the mental health field for so long, uh, I didn't want that on my record. For some reason, I thought if someone wrote that down on my record, my life would be over. Mm. And I didn't want to admit to admit, uh, depression. That's a really hard thing to admit to. To me, it was admitting fault. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Uh, this was a really good way to get out of perfectionism, <laughs> was to get your head bashed in. I wouldn't recommend it, but um, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, for me to admit that I was, I could easily admit that I had problems cooking. I'd easily admit that I couldn't homeschool anymore, even though that it felt like my identity was being stripped from me. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for me to admit the depression, the constant, um, that just me constantly thinking about suicide, uh, just the feeling overwhelmed constantly. And mm -hmm. um, once I was able to feel comfortable with someone to say those words out loud, and they were able to, um, and she was able to point me in the right direction and um, got me a great neurologist, got me into some um, cognitive therapy, which is really fun. Uh, you go to a physical therapist, but it's for your brain. So mm -hmm. actually it's kind of fun. A lot of good games. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to hear someone say, I understand, I understand. It's, you're good, you know, just take my hand. We're going to figure this out. I appreciated that very much. Yeah. So who's the per who who's the first person you told that you were feeling suicidal and that you were depressed? Was it your husband? No, I'll be honest. It was a couple of my friends. I have some dear friends that I meet with every week mm -hmm. um, over coffee, just kind of a um, accountability group. And um, I I told them I watered it down a lot, and uh, so but yeah, I was able to say it to them. And then I finally told my husband, but I don't think I like, I really watered it down. I'm like, once in a while, when I have nothing to think about, I kind of bring this into my head. And, mm. um, and then um, I was able to fully admit it to my, uh, to my doctor. Okay. So. so you started though, before the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I felt comfortable with my friends. Um, Cause I just couldn't believe that. I couldn't get it out of my head. That was it. It was like, this isn't me. Mm. Um, I'm usually a pretty optimistic, happy person. And, uh, but I just, 
I, that had gone away and I couldn't get it out of my head how I just really felt like I had, for some reason, I felt like I had destroyed our family, that if that my brain issues were going to destroy our kids, we're going to destroy our, my husband, you know, I just felt like everybody would be better if I was out of the way because I seemed to be a stumbling block. Everything was going great and smooth and we were the perfect family and life was great. And then I had this massive car accident and uh, these two massive car accidents. And then we needed lawyers and, you know, we needed to get a couple new cars <laughs> because of that. And um, my husband had to, for a couple of months there, he had to take some days off from work to help with the kids. And, you know, the kids had to go back to school, which, you know, that was never in our plan to put our kids into school, at least not that young. I mean, they weren't that young, but we had wait, we wanted to wait till they were in high school and we still had one that was in middle school. I was always, you know, the person that was on a hundred boards of uh, directors. You know, I was mm -hmm. on uh, three different boards of directors. I had to quit because I couldn't, um, I had to quit all my extracurricular activities for a while mm -hmm. because I couldn't think straight. And I would, I can't, I still have trouble focusing, but at that point I couldn't focus. I had a lot of fear in driving and that's really hard as a mom, you know, because you're driving them everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we were probably, and we were at a point where they were starting to learn to drive. Our oldest was driving and another one coming up and there's nothing uh, scarier than uh, out having two car accidents and then having to teach your kids how to drive. No, oh, gosh, I can't even imagine. I was terrified and I didn't have two car accidents. So. <laughs> but I was going to ask you what, do you think that PTSD played a role in this and, and what was, what was that role? Cause it sounds like maybe there was a component of PTSD with there the depression was. and all of that also. Yeah. And there was a lot of the PTSD that happened. Um, I don't know what the role in that was. Um, I think it was just a big, I look at it as just a big gray mess at the point time, but um yeah, it took me a while to um, get comfortable again in the car, but I knew that if I was scared, the kids were going to be scared. And so I needed, you know, it's one of those mom, mom things about, you know, let's just buck it up and get done. But um, mm -hmm. I definitely didn't drive a lot for a while. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, the corner, the place where it happened, the second one, the first one is not that big a deal, but the second one, um, it took us a really, I had, it took me a really long time to go back there. And, um, and then it was right by where my son, one of my sons went to school. And so we had to drive by it every day, twice. Mm. And it's just kind of one of those things where you just are like, okay, let's just do this again. And uh, let's just do this again. And, yeah. Uh, and after a while, it becomes more desensitized to where, but it takes like, 5,000 times going through that same place with nothing happening to erase or not even erase, but to, to maybe overpower the, the thing that did happen to be able to say, okay, I can go through this and I can be safe this time. Mm. Yes. It took a long time. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of the, uh, trying to I'm sorry my words are not always no, the don't best be sorry but, you're great um, you're doing great <laughs> a lot of um I think the pressure that I felt was because I thought it would be like a couple weeks I didn't think 
that I needed to, that all these things were going to be happening almost six years later, or, mm-hmm. you know, take me three years to be able to, you know, get in a car and not uh, wince every time I saw a big white truck, which we still laugh about big white trucks because both of them that were, were white trucks that oh, I got the car accident with. Yeah. So we, <laughs> I know. <laughs> what the heck? I know. We always laugh about big white pr- trucks. I'm always like, don't get near me. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least you can laugh about it now. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, There's power in seeing that you can come out the other side and laugh, get to a place where you can laugh. Yes, it, but again, I, I just, I can't emphasize enough that time is, uh, it, it takes a long, long time. And some things I didn't know, which things I didn't learn, was that things will never go back to normal. Like whatever you're, you needed a new normal and it took me many years, uh, probably three and a half before, you know, I got on my, my brain scut functioning again, that I was able to really grieve someone, uh, a good friend of mine, I was out having uh, coffee with and she finally looked at me cause I was having some really sad issues and I was just given, you know, sharing my heart with her. And she said, have you taken the time to grieve mm-hmm. your old self, your old life? And, um, man, that was powerful. Uh, Number one, putting the word grief with it. Mm -hmm. And then number two, giving me permission. I'd never thought that wasn't a thing I ever imagined I needed was Mm -hmm. time for my husband and myself to say, yeah, we need to grieve this. We always call her Dawn 1.0. The first we needed to grieve her. Mm -hmm. She was a mess in herself, but I needed to grieve that that person that she was mm. and accept that she's not coming back which is good and now i see it as good because i see all the positive aspects you know almost six years out it's a lot easier to look back and say wow right. you know i've the growth i've seen in myself in my family has been amazing because of this but at the time um i just kept looking back and i hear that from a, i have some friends of mine um unfortunately I I've now, because of this, I meet a lot of people who have had concussions and um, mm. they always just want to know, when am I going to get back to normal? And it's really hard to say you won't. You, everything's going to get new. It's going to be a new normal. Like to me now, my life is normal. Um, I have good days. I have really great days. Some days I have really bad days and I usually need a nap in the middle of the day. I get overwhelmed. My brain gets overwhelmed and mm-hmm. And so sometimes I need a good 20 minute nap. The kids are used to me going off and taking a good 20, 20 minute hour nap every yeah. day. I know I, I get high fives when I do an all dayer. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could take a nap every day and I have yeah. a nap. <laughs> isn't that normal in some countries? I though? think it is. I think, yeah. I think we should just keep that up. Maybe I'll just... <laughs> but uh i think that was really powerful to me to learn to grieve and uh to Mm. accept that and once i was able to accept the dawn 2.0 things got really exciting because i was like wow i don't have to carry that past with me anymore um not that it was weighing me down but it it was who i was and i'm not that anymore and i felt like that really freed me it freed my family uh, from all the grief, the uh, the weight of that. 
Yeah, man, that's huge. That's huge. And I feel like people can apply that in so many ways. I mean, talking in context of, of a head injury or injury or a sickness or an illness or something, something happening that you're not expecting to be able to grieve the way life was before. I, I That's huge because I think like you were talking about, people get stuck in how do I make things back to to the way they were before this happened. And it's, that's depressing because you can't. It's, no. yeah, I, I have a few things that happen in my life and I call them, they're, they're, they're before and after events. Like they're, they're events that happen in our lives where we can never go back to the way things were before. And my life before this happened and my life after this happened and being able to embrace the after and the dawn 2.0 <laughs> in all her glory <laughs> it's huge so so huge it's very freeing i have found i'm a lot more adventurous because i'm like well we'll see <laughs> Let's see how it goes. We'll throw that spaghetti on the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> it's, it's really freeing. And um, I think it's that it's, you know, uh, I'm sure you're a big Brian Brown fan. Uh, Brene Brown. Brene yeah. Brown. Sorry. Yes, I don't know so her name. Okay. Yeah. Her. We're not that close. Obviously I <laughs> can't say your name. <laughs> Her, her books on shame, uh, someone pointed me to one. Mm -hmm. It just was amazing. I cried and I cried because <laughs> for some reason, I felt so much shame over this car accident. Mm -hmm. um, and it, really, it wasn't my fault. It was, I was totally in the wrong place at the wrong time for two events that happened, um, excuse me, really close together. Mm -hmm. But the shame of that, and that just added on to all the other shame in my life that I was able to really um, get a hold of. And, you know, obviously we all still carry some shame of some things, but it, it really um, was the tip of the iceberg for me to open that up and to really examine that and get rid of a lot of that and look at past choices that I made. And, and really it's just like a fresh start in a really weird way. Um, I feel really sad for, I always feel sadder, more sad for my husband because he kind of, I always say, well, you kind of got a new woman um, in the same package, but um, he's had to navigate that for many years. And I mean, obviously he's done great and uh, I still surprise him sometimes. Uh, he's like, wow, I totally didn't expect you to react like that. And um, in a good way, not in a bad way. <laughs> as far as I know, anyway, he's not here. So, um, but it just, and every time I look at my, my, you know, the past, uh, especially with the kids and stuff, it's through such a totally different vet, uh, lens hmm. choices I made as um, a mom when they were young being the perfectionist and now choices um, that I have now that I make, you know, as they're teenage, all teenagers and older, uh, you know, uh, there's things I wish I would have done differently, but I can't, that's how she was then. And this is who I am now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And friends have changed, you know, just as you've grown, 
but uh, mine just just definitely had a bit a big before and after. I have a date. <laughs> I have two dates that uh, have really uh, cemented those changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how we do that to ourselves? How we blame ourselves for things that are completely and totally outside of our control and absorb shame from them like your accidents or I mean people do it with abuse or all of these circumstances that were 100% not our fault nothing not at all but somehow we make it our fault it is pretty weird and I I think about that a lot. I really do. Cause I, uh, cause I think a, a lot of us, um, maybe as especially women being that I'm only been a woman my whole life. So I don't know. I can't speak for the other gender, <laughs> but, um, we were learned just to absorb it and just take it, just take it, take it, take it. And, mm-hmm. um, we're not meant to take it. Mm-hmm. We're not meant to carry that load. Um, which is amazing to me. Um, that's been something that I've been, uh, ruminating a lot on lately mm-hmm. is um, how to get to um, to take all that that pain and to just to um, give it to offer it up and um, to deal with it uh, to deal with find those lies that you believe about yourself and I believed a lot about myself until the car accident oh my gosh I I believe that I was only worthy when I was perfect and mm-hmm. I was only worthy when I was um, when the kids were perfectly dressed and they could say their Bible verses on time and it was, everything was show. Mm. And, um, and that really broke away when I couldn't do the show any, I didn't have the brain capacity to do the show anymore. Mm. The brain, which I think, I mean, I have to look back and thank God for that. Um, I, cause I can't, I'm not very good at a show anymore. I wasn't really good in the beginning, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be honest. I was probably <laughs> awful at it. But um, after the car accident, I didn't have the brain capacity for the show anymore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I didn't, I couldn't put that on my kids anymore. Um, I couldn't put that on anybody because I could barely function as a stay at home. I mean, as a stay at home mom, like doing my duties at home were overwhelming. Yeah. And so, how were we going to, you know, dress up and, you know, be, look great and act like we were, everything was fine when there was no more capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit more raw, mm-hmm. a whole lot more real. Thank goodness. <laughs> Unfortunately at times I, uh, I'm a bit much to take. I'm sure. No, um, I love your humor. You crack me up. <laughs> <laughs> but really it's hard. I mean, so freaking hard to see that in those dark places. When you're in the dark place, to see someday you're going to be saying, this is a blessing. Man. Yeah. Well, to see where I was six years ago and what was important to me and now and what I thought I was going to pursue now that the kids are getting out of the house and I'm starting to think of, you know, after the kids. Um, and the things that I'm passionate about now are completely different and they make me laugh hysterically. I always, I'm like, 
oh my gosh, if this is what I told my 18-year-old, 25-year-old self that I was really passionate about when I was 46, I would have laughed hysterically and just said, you are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So it's, I think it's, um, yeah, it's just been a journey and um, yeah, it's just been a journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you know, I, I think being able to be real and not put on the show anymore is, I mean, it's huge. It's a huge gift because then we really have the opportunity to step into who we truly are rather than who we're trying to present ourselves to be or who we think we should be. And so to be able to step into that, man, it's huge. It's a game changer in so many ways. And now that you're stepping into it, you're able to say, okay, I want to help people in these areas. And I want to lift other people up who maybe were in the same place that I was back then and so I think there's huge there's just power in that well I think so too I think it's it's really scary to be naked vulnerable not physically naked that's scary too (laughs) (laughs) I won't go there it's um it's very scary to be vulnerable um we've all I mean I don't know about everybody's past but as children you know Mm-hmm. It seemed like, you know, as Lord of the Flies on the playground. And if you showed any, mm-hmm. any chance of, of uh, vulnerability, it was um, usually jumped upon. And, uh, and so we've grown up to be these people that just don't, can't penetrate uh, past our own hearts. And so we're definitely mm-hmm. not going to let anybody else penetrate our hearts. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can't do that, you don't know what you really want. And you can't express that. And obviously that was a big game changer to me is to learn that my husband can't read my he- my brain. He doesn't understand what I want. And it was really hard in the beginning because I couldn't talk really well. I couldn't express what I wanted. I literally couldn't express it. Mm-hmm. And um, to know yourself, um, it seems like such a selfish act for a long time. It was to me. And I thought, that's how I thought. I thought, well, that's just really selfish. Mm. But I think it's a noble act because you really can't get to know other people more until you know yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. then you don't really want to penetrate their hearts. You know, there's nothing more that I want in this world than to be, to know my kids' hearts and to be there mm-hmm. for them. And I don't want them to have to put on a show their lives. I want them to know their hearts and I want, mm-hmm. I want to know their hearts. And um, I want to feel like that with my husband and my best friends and um now I just kind of feel like that with everybody. I just want to know, like, no, who are you really? What do you really want? You know, yes, we all want perfect hair. That's not going to happen, at least not with my hair. <laughs> but let me know, you know, what do you really, really want? Which is really fun during the Christmas season because I can, we can never think about it because it's like, well, I want that, but, you know. Right. Yeah. And oh. so I just, yeah. I love that. Um, I love that there's women like you who are out there with the same mission that um, with the we community, I can't wait to go to one of your programs and uh, meet a bunch of women who just, 
who are done with the show and they're like, no, let's just be real people. Let's just really find, I mean, that's an exciting, exciting movement. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I know. I love, I love being able to link arms with other women like you because there's power in that when we all come together too. <laughs> Watch out world. Oh, that might be scary. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Our society, our world, the way that we see things and the way we treat people and all of those things need a huge shift. And we need to, I just can't imagine something I was thinking about the other day is that in therapy, they say that the number one reason why therapy is so effective is because of the relationship between the therapist and the client. And it's not, I mean, yeah, we go to school to learn techniques and all of these different things, but if there's no relationship, the therapy's not gonna be effective. And so the number one thing we have to do is build relationship. And that is what evokes change, is the relationship. And so my, I was thinking, how would our world be if people could go and show up and be authentic and feel supported and that didn't have to happen only in the therapy room. Like, wow, that would be so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I've had most of my really good revelations over a good cup of coffee. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, Because I truly believe that most people know, know what's deep down in them and Mm -hmm. know what to do or they can at least, but no one's unwilling to uncover it because of the vulnerability. Yeah. And um, if you truly listen to yourself, you know, not listen to yourself, but like follow your heart and really think about things. Um, I know I've read, you know, my husband always laughs about all the self-help books I bought. I mean, we have shelves of self-help books because mm-hmm. I was trying to help myself. Yeah. I have a ton of knowledge, but I didn't know any, anything, how to deal with any of it until I got my brain chemistry right, which is a biological problem. Mm-hmm. But um, I usually just need someone to listen to me talk, and then I usually can figure it out myself. Totally. Yeah. But I have found that um, relationships are so important. Uh, the, the comfortableness of being vulnerable in front of somebody Mm. uh, is so important and not feel judgment. And um, it really hit me once was at this, um, this program where someone who was very, very different than me had very different views than me. Just, just the complete opposite of me um, was talking and she was just totally exuding love. And I just wanted nothing more than to run up to her and talk to her. And it really hit me, you know, and not, and I felt very, I could go up and say, you know, my beliefs or who I was and that kind of thing. And I knew I wasn't going to be offending her and she wasn't offending me. Mm-hmm. And it really struck me that if you really want to be open with people, you can, and you're open and you're willing to listen, mm-hmm. people are going to, you know, people um, that you have disagreements with should be, they would be able to listen to you. Not because you're angry. No one's going to listen to you when you're angry and screaming. Right. Yeah. They're going to listen to you when you talk to people out of love. And I think that was a huge thing that changed my parenting. 
because <laughs> I was quite a screamer. <laughs> and um, I think that really struck me as a mate. It just, it hit me hard that, uh, wow, if you have a relationship, if you're a loving person, not that that's not going to be every situation ever, but in right. most life circumstances, an honest, open-hearted conversation that you have someone with a disagreement with is probably going to do way more good than anything where you're yelling and screaming and sh slamming doors. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I would not react well to someone yelling at me. I know I don't, I never have. Mm -hmm. Why would anybody else? Right. And um, I think that struck me as really hard that we all grow in love as opposed to anger. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to do that. I am not perfect, but. I certainly try to come from more of an angle of love and how can I feed your heart then? Mm -hmm. And plus I'm not a yelly person. I would really be bad at that <laughs> anymore. Man, I probably could have done it before though. Dawn 1.0 was pretty, she could yell. <laughs> well, I don't know. Homeschooling four children. I don't know who, <laughs> like, I think you need to cut yourself a little bit of slack there. Yeah. <laughs> It's a hard job. <laughs> <laughs> I think being a mom is a hard job. Oh, I don't think yeah. every working mom, stay-at-home mom, homeschool mom, they're all, they're equally all hard. <laughs> they are. They are all hard. But I see homeschooling mom. I have a, a couple of great friends who are homeschool moms. And I think that they are like the most amazing people on the planet because I know I could not do it. Like I know myself and I know my patient's level <laughs> and I don't scream now. I used to a long time ago. I don't scream. I don't yell, but I know if I had to homeschool, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I used to say it is not for everybody and uh, no one should ever feel guilted into homeschooling. I, it's just yeah. the life choice it is a life choice it's a great choice that uh, our country affords us to do and i think mm -hmm. it's wonderful but it is yeah. definitely not i i'm always blessed for for all the circumstances and all the choices we get to make for it's our kids so because no one ever makes i really truly believe i'm very few moms make choices because they don't love their children you know every right. mom loves their children wants the best for them and totally and for yeah. the time for 16 years, that was the best choice I could make. And then it wasn't really, we had to make another choice. And, and I'm now we've not homeschooled for quite a while. And I can't imagine doing it either to, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's good to know who we are and where we're at at different seasons in yeah. our life. Yeah, it's huge, huge. So, all right, Dawn. This has been amazing. So there, we're just reiterating the fact that you are amazing. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move into my questions because I want to okay. make sure that we uh, get these asked. So the first question is, uh, what has been the most vital to your growth? Having good friends that will listen to me. Mm being able to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Because your friends are your first people who you told what was really going on yeah. with you. 
they were warming you up to be able to <laughs> to yeah. have that conversation that you needed to have with the doctor. Yes. To help that you yeah. needed. And, you know, my husband found the doctor. I think it was just knowing that I was, um, that I was secure, that I was, I was safe um, with those few people. I think, you know, you only need a couple good people to be around you and hopefully you're you're one of those people that's good to be around for someone else mm-hmm. and um, and that's really important mm-hmm. and yeah. so I think a lot of my uh, growth has been from little tidbits of stuff that I've picked up from other people I'm totally not original in any of my thoughts <laughs> but I've learned a lot from a lot of people and uh, and so I hope that I can be one of those people to bring other people up yeah you definitely are okay so number two is when do you want to make sure that people know wow there's a lot Mm -hmm. um um wow that um you are worth everything i think learning my self-worth that i was worth um all the doctor's appointments i was worth um, all the trouble, I'm going to say trouble in quotation marks, because I felt like everything I was, you know, all this, uh, medical intervention was trouble. It was money. And, um, being a single, having a, a one husband who was paying, whose uh, job was doing for six people, you know, we're always looking at that and, um, you are worth it. Your life is worth it. It's, um, it's so important to be able to be a good advocate for yourself um, I'm, that's what I used to do is social work in social services at, uh, was to be a health advocate for mm-hmm. my clients. And, um, but I was a sucky one for myself. I was an awful health advocate for myself. And fortunately, um, no one knows what you're thinking and which is probably good. No one wants, you know, I don't want half the people to know what I'm thinking most of the time, but we need to be able to advocate for ourselves and you're worth it. Um, you're worth the trouble, which is not trouble. It's just health. It's just uh, when you're at your best, you're, you're um, a light to the world. And so you need to know your worth. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> so awesome. Okay, so tell us what you're up to. Where where can people find you? What are you up to these days? Because I'm sure there's going to be people who would love to connect with you. Well, I'm starting things, so there's not a lot of ways. <laughs> you can always find me on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's just Don Miller, so there's probably 5,000 of us out there. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to your yeah. Facebook page. Um, I'm starting a blog called The Mended One because I always talked about how I, I always used to say my brain's broken. That was a a way that I would talk about uh, my life. And so someone mm. showed me a quote once and said, look, that's a mended, that's mended. And I just love that word, mended. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on it. It takes me a long time to have really profound thoughts. But uh, so my blog is themendedone.com. Com, which is only one post right now, but I'm working on it. 
give Don't me a you think? <laughs> yeah yeah they can and, um so those two places right now i'm starting yoga training soon so i hope to be doing some yoga became cool. a huge huge factor in my recovery which is hilarious mm. and, uh, the very anti i'm very much not a uh, yoga looking person but uh so soon i'll be i hope i know that yoga work and uh brain recovery is pretty fascinating all the new research on that and so i'm mm. going to get my yoga training license so but those are the two places you can find me right now uh, awesome yeah well Sorry. And then Northern Colorado Moms blog once a month. Yeah. Um, you did write an article in there about your brain injury, correct? No, I brought a no, not yet. No. Okay. It's still that's really hard to write about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm working on it. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. someday. Yeah. I did put about my scars because I have scars from lots of things. But that's a whole okay. other whole other podcast. <laughs> all right well yes noco mom's blog the, an article once a month but we'll also be watching for your blog and that is exciting i would love to know more maybe in a future post yeah. even or podcast about how yoga goes with your healing process because i love yoga uh, uh, in so many ways. I don't like the hard yoga. I like <laughs> it's all hard yoga. <laughs> but yeah, there's like the meditative, easier, what I consider, I guess, easier, but some people yeah, it's not consider that easier. <laughs> again, it's one of those things that I told myself, my 20 year old self, that I was going to become a yoga teacher. Yeah, I would have laughed hysterically. But <laughs> It, I, I can't even go. Yeah. The research behind yoga and brain injuries is just tremendous. And mm. I've been really into it for two years and um, just due to ba well, balance is issues. I kept falling on my trail runs. And uh, so mm. I, I decided to take up yoga to learn balance. And then yoga's kind of taken over. Um, I still awesome. run a lot, but uh, yeah, I would love to. Um, I just think yoga has a lot of ways. And I think it's more, you know, the slowing down the being aware of your body, but mm -hmm. I could go on forever about that too. Yeah. So we'll okay. put that for something else, especially when I'm a teacher. I don't actually know what I'm talking about. Oh, you do. You know more than I do about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think that's great. Yeah. I would love to know, love to know more about it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for sharing your story. I know that that's, it it's scary it's vulnerable and so thank you for showing up with us and being vulnerable with us because we're better for it so well i really want just to, i just want to be out there and reaching out i wish i would have had someone like me <laughs> when i had a brain injury mm -hmm. a little ray of hope would have been nice um and uh, so I just, I really want to reach all those people out there. Even if you've had one, you know, 15 years ago, it still affects your life and um, yeah, to able to deal with that. And so, yes. And thank you. And thank you for the rise community, the we rise community. I, once you told me about it, I was like, oh, this is a community I have to hook up with. These are the people. These are my people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're a part of it. For well, sure. Thank you very much. 
hope you have enjoyed this episode of the We Podcast and that you have taken away some amazing insights that you will be able to apply to your own life. We hope that by sharing our stories of struggle and overcoming, you feel less alone in yours. Dawn has such a powerful story of perseverance and getting through the hard times, and she is taking those hard times and using them to help others and develop a new way of being in a more holistic way in her own life. So thank you so much, Dawn, for being my guest. Don't forget your screenshot, your rate and tag, and putting it in your story so that we can conversate with you over on social media. Thank you so much for being here today. It means a lot to us. Remember, your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.